Hello and welcome to Dear Future Grandkids. This is the audio version of our live YouTube and Facebook show. I'm Ange and you'll be hearing from my two other musketeers, Jen and Percy, in the show. Our guest this week is remarkable on many levels. Tony Giles is almost completely blind. He can just about make out bright light and he's also profoundly deaf. But that hasn't stopped him from travelling to 140 countries, many by himself, and also from talking to us and handling all the tech issues by himself. He has a speaking computer and a digital hearing aid, and we wrote down the tech instructions clearly on the email, and he figured it out. The only thing we had to be mindful of was to not all speak at once, because the digital hearing aid can't pick it up. Um, but that's something we keep reminding ourselves to try not to do. Anyway, I hope you'll be as inspired by this episode as we were, because if you think... If Tony can do what he does, travel the world as a blind and deaf person, why do I hold myself back in so many areas of my life with the fear that I'm not capable enough? To create the podcast, we sometimes remove some of the more visual parts of the live show, such as when a guest brings a couple of objects back to the camera and does a bit of a show and tell. We deliberately kept more of those parts in this time because we hope you'll imagine the objects as Tony describes them in much the same way that Tony uses his powers of visualization as he goes on his travels. Okay, so here's the show. I'll be back at the end with a surprise message and more. Enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jen in Singapore. That's Percy in the Philippines. And of course, that's Ange in Hong Kong. And welcome to a show we all created called Dear Future Grandkids, where an interesting guest gets asked the important question. What would you say to your future grandkids? So we are live on Facebook and on YouTube. What a lovely way to kickstart the weekend. It is indeed, and our guest kick-started his inspiring adventure more than 25 years ago on his first trip to the US. And since then, he's been to over 125 countries and counting. So today, we will be building a video time capsule for a person who was born with a rare eye condition, cone dystrophy and photophobia, which meant that he was born without any colored nerves in the back of his eyes. This meant that he was essentially blind since birth, and as he grew older, objects became harder to visualize to the point that he can only sense bright sunlight. At the age of four, he also became slightly deaf in both ears, which became progressively worse over time. He's now considered 80% deaf. His story is inspiring as he has traveled the world independently and has written three books about it. So please welcome fine author and world traveler, Tony Giles. Hey, hi guys. Hey, Tony. Hey, hey. hey how's it going? Yeah, we're excited. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, the name of our show is Dear Future Grandkids. Did you ever imagine yourself as a grandfather? Uh, not really. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you decide to travel to every country? My dad sort of told me stories of his adventures before I was born. He was in the Merchant Navy back in the 50s and going across Australia from coast to coast by train and setting up the St. Lawrence River of icebergs floating down the ship's sides. I thought, oh, that sounds fun. I went to different special schools because of my eyesight. There was no support in my local school, so I travelled by taxi every day to a school for special kids, about 30 kilometres from my home. I suppose that was sort of the start of it in a weird way, I was sort of five and six. And then when I was 10, I went to a boarding school and stayed there for six weeks, eight weeks. So my initial thoughts were that I wanted to travel home and see my family. When I was 16, I got the chance to go to the Boston in the States with the school for a week. And everything was so different. I could sense everything was louder, traffic went in a different direction. It was quite confusing and I thought, oh, I want more than this. The sound and the smells and, and then I went back and I actually studied there and I planned a trip to New Orleans by myself. Yeah, loved it. Went drinking every night and nightclubs and jazz and blues, the heat and that. 
Now they are worth travel. Wow. Yeah. And 125 countries later. 140. It's 140 busy. now. 140. Whoa. You filled in a lot since your Wikipedia entry. Yeah. <laughs> Can't keep up with me. Name a couple of lessons you think you've learned from your travels. When I was young, I wanted to travel for escapism. I didn't want responsibility. And I struggled being blind and passed through death as a teenager with all the other stuff going on, the hormones and that. And I think I struggled in social situations. I couldn't lip read. And it's hard to hear in crowds and stuff. And I kind of struggled to work out who I was. And then slowly as I traveled and I met more people and I went to different countries with different cultures, I started to realize myself that people liked me for who I was. And it didn't matter that I was blind and deaf and a little bit crazy. And I think also along the way, I went to poorer places and villages. There was lots of less access to water and stuff. I learned to be more humble. And I mean, that's what traveling teaches, to be patient and to be humble. So hopefully I can pass that on to my grandkids one day. So you had to travel far to find yourself in a way. Yeah. Find out who you were. I think uh, we all do in a way. We all go on our own journey, don't we? Yeah. Well, we're going to try and get to know you better now with some quick fire questions. So here they come. Where were you born? Uh, in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> a small town in southeast England called Western Supermare. Ah, I've heard of that. Where did you go to school? That's complicated. Uh, I went to school in Bristol to start with. And then I went to Coventry, which is in the Midlands of England. There are specialist schools for the blind, all different kids with different disabilities. You said you went to university in Boston? I went to university in Northampton to start with, and then spent mm -hmm. five months in South Carolina, sitting on beaches. I was sort of studying <laughs> real life. What were yeah. you supposed to be studying? I was meant to be studying American history, politics, culture, whatever culture is. It's a mishmash of lots of stuff, and it's great fun, and I didn't do much work. I read lots of books like Jack Carrack on the road, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Watch a lot of film or listen to a lot of films. I was interested in the Vietnam Wars and stuff. I thought that was fascinating. And that gave me an insight to Vietnam and uh, Cambodia and Southeast Asia, which made me really want to go there, which is what I did after I finished my degree. And eventually I did a master's degree a couple of years later in Birmingham. So the, you went to the U.S. for studies, right? But where was the first country that you actually went to after that? Uh, the first country I ever went to with my parents was a Greek island called Rose. The first country I went to by myself was um, the U.S., I studied there, and then after that, I um I went to Australia, uh, New Zealand, mm -hmm. and eventually ended up in Thailand and uh, Vietnam. Uh, it was a five-month trip. So we have 140 countries and counting. I'm going to test you a bit here now. Which would be the warmest country you visited? Perth in Australia. I'd say Singapore is probably the most humid. Yeah, Perth is really, really hot because uh, I went to university there as well. So were you there during the summer? It's, it's as high as like 40, what, 44 degrees? Yeah, sweating buckets. So yeah. from the warmest, that was Perth for you, 44 degrees during the summer. What was the coldest country you ever been to? The coldest place would be Antarctica, which isn't technically a country. I was in uh, Canada once in Newfoundland and it was minus 20 Celsius. That was cold. Wow. Wow. How many layers did you have on then? It's the wind more than anything. The actual temperature yeah. is not so bad as the wind cuts through like a knife. That's the biggest problem. I prefer the cold to the hot, though. I think so. You can walk about when it's cold and that, and you can put layers on. When you're hot, there's only much clothes you can take off, isn't there? It's difficult to be naked in public. Well, <laughs> true. I live in the tropics, so you want the opposite, so you, you, you like the cold. So you've been to so many, well, 140 countries and counting. You've got countless of stories as well. You have now put that all into the three books you have written. Can you tell us about your books? So I've written uh, three books about a blind guy's adventures, wandering around the planet, meeting people, doing crazy things, 
And my first book was about why I was a blind guy who wanted to go and travel the world or seeing the world my way. And it was about my early trips in America and studying and escapism. And I went to Australia and New Zealand and bungee jumping and skydiving, which is amazing. The bungee jumping, if you can't see, is just fantastic. But Tony, isn't it scary? So now well, I just close my eyes and jump off. It's like you're free falling, you're just dropping into nothing, 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 and you don't know when it's going to hit. And then it goes bang, and your whole body explodes and recoil, and you bounce and you spin around, and then it drops, and then you bounce again. And it's just fantastic. I did one in Singapore a couple of years ago. I've done that once and I'm scared and I know that you've done it, I hope I got it right, 17 uh, times, is that correct? Yeah, so far, yeah. Being blind has its advantages when it comes to things like that. Whoa. So then I wrote a second book about a big trip in South America and North America called Seeing the Americas My Way. And then I published my latest book at the end of last year called Seeing a Slice of Southern Africa My Way. And it's about my first adventures in Southern Africa, starting South Africa. Then I wander up through Mozambique and across Zimbabwe and Zambia. It was a real experience, a real eye-opener experience, how people live in very different conditions. I discovered that the women in the villages have to walk two, three kilometers every morning to collect water, bring it back in buckets on their head, you know, because that's the only source of water they got. And I, I'm in England, I turn a tap, I'm like, oh, water! Wow, I don't think about it. So things like that taught me a lot. I and mean, that's what traveling could do to you. What's yeah. been the most memorable response that you've had to your books? Well, I get lots of messages on my Facebook page. Oh, it's incredible. I couldn't do this if I went blind. And I tell them, yeah, you could. I just laugh at all. I mean, it's what I do. It's my job. I don't get paid. You do this full time as your job? Well, it's kind of a job, yeah. Was there a particular point in your travels or in your life when you decided that you want to talk to more people and inspire them or all that just happened spontaneously because you are an inspirational speaker now. Did you decide on that? Not really. I just, I was channeling my fun. This is what I do and what I love. And then people get meeting me and telling me, I mean, oh, you're inspiring, blah, 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 and do amazing things. And I started to realize, obviously, I understand why disabled people would say that because it's quite unusual for a blind deaf guy to go traveling around the world independently. But Lots of non-disabled people were telling me that inspired them to get up and do things they'd never thought they could do. And that kind of struck me. I thought, wow. And then I got invited to do a TEDx talk in Austria. And I thought, wow, this is going to be cool. Speaking of a thousand people, make them laugh and smile. And I thought, well, maybe I'm onto something here. So that's kind of why I published my third book, Keep Inspiring People, and show people that they can go to Africa and it's not a dangerous place like a lot of people think and the media think and that. Show the world that you can live your dreams and lots of good places to go and visit. I saw your TED talk. You got a standing ovation there. I actually quoted your line, it's only fear that holds people back from living their dream. Yeah, you got to live your dream. Life's very short. Live your dreams, have fun, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be like travel around the world and throw yourself off building like I do. Whatever makes you happy. Tony, do you remember the opening line from your TED talk? Because it's very memorable. Uh, Travelling is like sex. If you talk about it too much, you'll never do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's that opening quote from my first book, Seeing the World My Way. Fantastic. Everyone talks about sex and they get around to it. And then people talk about travel and they go, I want to go to this place. And they never do. They get too caught in their eyes. Stop talking about it, man. Just do it. Tony, we've got to the part of the show now where we snoop around people's houses. It's one of our favorite things to do. Do you have a corner of shame and maybe a forbidden hidden drawer or something that you normally don't show guests? Oh, yeah, I don't show guests anything. I show you my friends I, I live with. I live with a, a group of guys. These are my gnomes. You know? Yeah. I got, 
uh, five or six gnomes. They're really friendly. One of them says, please go away. And another one's asleep all the time. Yeah, I got a, ra I got a Rasta uh, gnome. He came recently. My gnome, sweet gnome. Hey. Yeah. I've got a gnome in the kitchen. He's always got his pants down. So this is the kitchen, the messy kitchen. Yeah, uh, if you can see the gnome in the corner there. He's got his pants yeah, down. Gnome. He's got his, his bum sticking out. Yeah, you see his bum, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that mini tour. While you're on show and tell mode, Tony, do you have two items that mean something to you that you can show us? Obviously, to help me travel. Being blind, I need to find objects on the ground all the time so I don't trip over when I'm walking. This is my uh, my white long cane I use. I sort of sweep it along the ground so I can find objects when I'm walking. That cane must have many stories to tell. There's never never been one cane. It sort of goes through several. They get run over, unfortunately. It's a bit sad. They have to go to uh, cane heaven. And, <laughs> and I, <laughs> the end bit's the important bit because that's called a tip and that's normally red and that rolls that rolls along the ground so i'm not getting stuck in bushes or dog poo and i did not around. know that if you're deaf as well because the cane's meant to be white it's normally white but if you're deaf um you put red stripes along it so it's red and white so drivers at least in the uk and the states and that uh, they know that person trying to cross the road is deaf and blind yeah, so not many people know about that. They know about the white cane, but yeah. not about the red stripes. I, know, I don't put the red stripes on because they come off, especially in the heat. I travel a lot. Being blind, I need both my hands free. I need one hand on my cane. And um, if I meet someone and I'm being guided, I take their elbow. So I can't pull a suitcase like a lot of people. I wouldn't anyway. So yeah. I travel with a very light backpack. Ooh. Cool. So I've got both my arms free all the time. And I right. travel... Yeah, we have very few items. I don't take many clothes. Yeah, so you've you've shown us um, around your house. You've shown us uh, we've been introduced to your gnomes. Uh, maybe seen a little bit too much of one of them, but that's okay. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out your essential items where you travel, your long cane, and your yeah. backpack as well. But you know, this is dear future grandkids. We like to give a platform to our guests to showcase their skills. But unfortunately, for our show, we love pointless skills. So. Tony Giles, do you have one? Do you have a pointless skill? I do. You do? Yes. Um, yeah, I got several. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, the best one is probably breathing. <laughs> <laughs> That's not pointless, Tony. <laughs> My other pointless skill is I can drum. Well, sort of. <laughs> Pretty good. The nice thing about this drum is my brother bought it me uh, when I was about 15, 16. And it's from Sri Lanka, so it's tapered. So I can sit in my lounge drinking a cup of tea and uh, annoy the neighbours. Must be good stress relief. Not that you seem like a guy who's ever that stressed. Yeah. My other pointless skill is uh, annoying people. Ask my family. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a bit about your family, Tony. What are they like? What have you learned from them? Are there any family mottos that the Giles clan always share with each other? My family are amazing, particularly my mum. I'm the third kid of three. I've got an older sister who's eight years older than me. I'm 42 at the moment, so she's, I better not say her age. And then i got a brother who's <laughs> six years older than me. Yeah, like I say, my mum's amazing. She realised uh, when I was little and they discovered I was blind, she realised I wasn't any different to them. I just couldn't see. So she knew I had to get educated. I'd be accepted as a child blind, but not as an adult. The hardest thing she ever did was send me to boarding school. That was really tough for her, but she knew it was the best thing. 
I've had a, a set down since I was 10. He was really cool. He introduced me to football. He worked for a big airplane engine company called Rolls Royce. My mum actually makes maps for me. We've got this kind of orange clue. She'll get a map off the internet and blow it up. So I say, I want to go to like Singapore, Malaysia. So she'll get a map and then she'll put this orange clue around the borders so I can feel the shapes of the countries. And then she'll put a blob next to the major cities like Kuala Lumpur and Malaysia or Delhi and India. And then I can feel the bumps and I can work out where they are in relation to each city. And then we put a little braille name and it's the blob. So my mum's amazing in doing that. And she helps me book flights and research. So without her, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. She sounds so cool. Yeah. And then on your website as well, you mentioned that you sometimes travel with your girlfriend. And that's when hopefully when COVID's done, when travel is really allowed again, you want to go to visit her in Greece. My girlfriend's name is Tatiana. We've been together for 12 years. We met via the internet accidentally. I wasn't really looking for a girlfriend. She found my website and she liked the way I described things. She's also blind. But she only went blind when she was 16 from um, eye pressure on the eyeball and that. It was very sudden. She went from having some sight to having no sight. So that was quite a shock. So 10, 15 years later, she was using the internet, speech reading screen software to navigate the internet. And she came across my website one day and liked the way I described So she emailed me and we were like pen friends for a year. And I thought, oh, nice girl, whatever. And then eventually, oh, I've not been to Greece apart from Rose. But, eh, let's go to Greece. She said, oh, come to Greece. You want to meet up and have coffee, dinner, whatever. So I went to Greece and got her email and yeah, and said, oh, I'm in this hostel. And she calls, oh, come over one night. So I took her to this restaurant I found around the corner. She wouldn't let me pay. I'm like, oh, that's different. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing here. Girl, girl, pays me good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing led to another. We sort of talked and emailed and then I went back to Greece a year later and just went from there, really. And she oh, comes okay. over here when she gets time off work and I go to Greece. Yeah, we also travel together, but she likes more comfortable travel, being a girl and you know, being blind. That yeah, I'll sleep anywhere with anything, you know, snakes, mud. I've um, <laughs> travelled around Asia and had lots of squatting over toilets, you know, just holes in the ground. And she's a bit, you know, she didn't like that. She had, you know, double bed on suite or that. But it works, <laughs> you know, it's just yin and yang or whatever. So yeah, yin and yang. You know, she makes me happy and. As, and as long as she's paying, so yeah. Yeah. Jen! <laughs> what? Yeah. We got a cane each, and we fight along each other, the canes will be all on the street. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, yeah. Swords at dawn. Yeah, she pushes me in the buildings and holes. Oh, well, that's really sweet. Yeah, phone's okay, Skype's okay, but it's not, not the same as touching, is it? So. <laughs> Tony, we, you know, we got to the point of that show where we asked you to get your phone and to leave a voice message to someone okay. important in your life. I think you want me to leave a message for you, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we are yeah. important to you, so yeah. Yeah, did, did you get my number? I'm not sure you can pay me enough. <laughs> Hello, Tatiana. My sweet, my Greek goddess. You're amazing and special, and you've made my life even more amazing than what it already was. So I love you forever. Hi. Oh, that is so sweet. Well, if if Tatiana replies before the end of the show, would you share it with us? But she's probably still <laughs> in bed. It is a Saturday. True. And Greeks do everything at a slower pace of life. Nice. Much more laid back. The first time I went to Greece, so we were out, and then we went to restaurants. We were sitting outside in the hot sun, and I ordered a drink. 
I drink quite quickly. I want to order another one, so I'm waving and trying to get the waiter's attention, which is really difficult when you're blind because you can't make eye contact. Nobody came over for about 10 minutes. Oh, it's unbelievable. So I learned from that honor. Every time I order a drink, order three. Two. You might not oh, get three. served for an hour. <laughs> well done. I was going to say order two, you order three. Yeah. Good thinking. <laughs> good thinking. Now, Tony, do you have any sort of principles or philosophies that you, you live by? I have one mantra. Live life to the full. Do everything. Because life's very short. I always say I won't see the bus that runs me over. So your mantra is live life, live life to the fullest. But is there anything that you were afraid to do? Afraid? Get like married? A... <laughs> oh, she sounds lovely, Tony. What are you afraid of? Tony, she pays for your dinner. What are you talking about? Marry the girl. Uh, let me think that about it. That is such a gen answer. <laughs> Once she kind of bungee jumped and skydived, done all that. Um, yeah. Once you've had a relationship, then there's, yeah, there's not much else to do. <laughs> Which is scarier, the relationship or the bungee jumping? Mm. Oh, the relationship. So many lessons I've learned from Some, Tony, right? Live yeah, life to the full yeah. lesson. Once you've, you've been in a relationship, you're not afraid you of anything. Yeah, you can do anything. Yes, yeah. good. Bungee jumping is easy. There's no compromising. You just jump off. <laughs> a relationship, there's, there's so many questions. There's so many things you can get wrong. There's so many things you can say wrong. Oh. <laughs> True, that really is true. Tony, do you have any strange rituals or habits? The children watching this program, that might limit my answer quite considerably. <laughs> I collect things. That's the kind of the only sort of weird, that's weird, but I collect fridge magnets of places I've been, but they have to be tactile magnets. There's no use having a you know, piece of smooth slate. I also yeah. collect unusual shaped stones for my trips. I've got a, a square coin from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I've also got some coins with holes in the middle, but like Moldova or somewhere, somewhere like that. So anything I can touch is when you're blind, it's important to touch things and smell things. Mm -hmm. And that's what I look for when I plan my trips. Can I find places with statues? Like we go to Alexanderplatz in Berlin. There's this big square in the eastern part of the city. And it's got this mm -hmm. big fountain I, I can hear. And it's got these four women. They represent uh, the four rivers. They're very tactile. They're quite big. That's good. Lots of things like that. Anything with noise, anything with smells. I go to lots of markets and Japan was incredible. Tatiana and I went there four years ago and just every little dish had about six different textures and flavors. And it was, I, mean, wow. I couldn't pronounce any of the name, but I just remember that's the most amazing food I've eaten in Japan. Things like that you need when you're blind. No, but that's amazing. You said in, I think in your TED Talks or one of your interviews where you talked about everybody being fixated with the architecture and seeing things. Yeah. But you, you pay attention to all the other senses, and that's a fantastic yeah. way of looking at it. So, I mean, where most people are just using the sight to see things, experience. I'm using all my other senses to give me a mental picture of the area I'm in. And of course, the most important thing about traveling is the people, because without people in a different country, there's no point. You know, you can look at a mountain for so long, but then it gets a bit boring. You need people, you need laughter, you need interesting conversation, you need debate and argument. So you learn things. That's a lot about other people and their cultures and about yourself. Countries and cultures are interesting, how people live. Yeah. That's an amazing way of looking at it. There was another thing you said in an interview. You said anyone can travel if they really want to. It doesn't have to cost much. I think the majority of people are afraid of the unknown and prefer to stay within their comfort zone. Was there a point in your life where you had a comfort zone? You know, How did you get past it? The first time I went travel by myself outside of the UK and Europe, like I said, I went to New Orleans and got the staff at the university to help me book a flight and book a hostel. And I thought I'd just get to the airport, get a taxi. That was pretty straightforward. And then 
I wanted to go to Bourbon Street. It's the main party street in, in New Orleans. Mostly pedestrianised, where all the music happens and stuff. So I asked the hostel staff member, oh, how do I get to Bourbon Street? We said, well, you walk out the door, go down the steps, turn left, walk four blocks, you find a tram. And it was about 30 degrees Celsius, and that humidity was about 98. And I walked down the steps, stood on the street, and I just froze. I was 21 years old, and I thought to myself, I can't do this. I'm totally blind. I'm partially deaf. I'm in a foreign, dangerous city. How am I going to find a tram stop? I can't see. I was just panicked. My muscles are shaking. I was sweating like a monkey, panicking, started taking deep breaths. And I said to myself, Tony, this is what you've come in to do. This is what you want. This is the challenge. If you don't want it, turn around, go back in the hostel, go home. I took seven more deep breaths, turned left, walked out the street four blocks, found some guy, asked him for the tram stop. He put me on, went down to Bourbon Street, drank about 20 beers, 12 whiskeys. <laughs> at every bar in the place, jazz, blues, topless women swinging out rooms and had a blast and i've never looked back 20 odd years ago and that was quite a reward for <laughs> if you're not looking back it's about getting through it it's about simplifying it and saying i can do this and i'm good at this and whether it's something like traveling or whether it's something as simple as making a cup of coffee or a sandwich just tying your shoelaces just keep doing it keep doing it keep trying until you, until you do it and you will get there and sometimes it just takes patience and perseverance and Sometimes it takes um, being humble enough to ask for help. And that's what I learned along the way as well, to ask for help, not be afraid to ask for help. Is there a story, Tony, from your travels that you would really want your future grandkids to know about? I mean, I would just say to my future grandkids, look at my travels and look at the way your blind, deaf granddad has tried to live his life and tried to experience everything and take in everything, try and broaden his horizons and just do that, live life. Try and experience everything, some things you like, some things you won't, and try and learn from those experiences and become better people and then share it with others and people try, and try to help people less fortunate and share. That's what it's about. It's about sharing and give and taking. We learn from each other and hopefully that way we can make a better world. Is there a way you'd like to be remembered? Not particularly. <laughs> Blind crazy guy, did bungee jumps, lived life. I think if I had a, a stone or whatever, which is I'd like uh, Tony Giles, whatever to whatever, Live life. Do you have any regrets? Is there any advice? Do you think your 80-year-old self would give the Tony Giles of today? Stop letting gnomes into your house, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Maybe my 80-year-old self would tell me, maybe slow down a bit, Tony, and maybe spend more quality time with the nearest and dearest. Tony, Happy Lee is watching and she says, I'm partially blind and it's nice to hear these stories. I'm also afraid to travel and it's inspiring to hear how you overcame that fear. Thanks for writing cool. in, Happy. Yeah, great. You've inspired at least one person, Tony. That makes it That's worth it, it, right? You inspire one person every hour of every day of every year and then the world will be a happier place. Absolutely. Truly, truly inspiring, Tony. And you know what? We're so happy that you spent time with us today building this video time capsule. As we close the show and you're closing the lid, you get to leave a message. Now, what do you want to say to your future grandkids now? Dear future grandkids, this is Granddad Tony. I want to say to you, live life, have fun, and do everything once, and be happy. Tony, thank you so much for being on the show today. Everything That's you said was really inspiring. Absolute pleasure. Check out my website, guys, TonyTheTraveler.com. I've, I've learned a lesson. Just take the first step. Take the first step and no looking back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
and a Prince Falso. Again, thank you, Tony, and thank you to all our lovely viewers for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, and thank you all for watching Year Future Grandkids. I'm Jen, that's Percy and Ange, and thank you to our guests once again, Tony Giles. Thank you, everyone. Take care and see you next Yay! time. Bye. Bye, Bye Tony. Bye. Thank you. Bye. It's only fear that holds people back from living their dream. What a guy, Tony Giles. And we received a reply from Tony's girlfriend, Tatiana, on Facebook. Here's what it said. Hello, everyone. Warmest greetings to you guys from Greece. This is Tatiana. Well, obviously, I was sleeping during the live. Sorry, but I've just watched it. And do you want me to share my reactions? Laughing and crying, crying and laughing at all the show. Having a big, great, broad smile on my face, as well as tears running through just as rain and sunshine simultaneously appear. That's the magic of being in a long-lasting relationship with a passionate solo traveller with Tony, and I wouldn't change it for anything. A bright sunshine all the time with no rain, how boring would that be? Tony, my sweetest darling, thanks a lot for what you said about me, especially your meaningful message. Oh, you guys. Thanks so much, Tatiana. And if you want to join us as the show comes out live next time, and we would love that, you can chip in with questions and comments that we can ask the guests live. Then go to the Idea First Company's YouTube or Facebook page. And if you do, you'll also see the video version of this show, which includes photos of Tony on his travels. Um, and some of the photos feature Tatiana. You'll see him drumming and his very cheeky set of gnomes. So thanks for listening. We do appreciate you, our lovely listeners. Until next week, bye. <laughs>